Welcome to the Birthing Ad Pod- Podcast. This is a podcast about pregnancy, birth and early parenting. Yay! G'day, how's it going? I'm Steve from the Prepare Foundation. We are a registered charity that helps first-time dads make an awesome contribution at the birth of their child. This is a podcast where we get blokes talking about their experience to share their wisdom with other men who are about to go through the life-altering change that comes with first-time fatherhood. So let's hear about the transition of parenthood from a dad's perspective. My name's Ellie Taylor. I'm a perinatal relationship expert. I probably have to explain that straight off the bat. My background is in relationship counselling and I became a mother at the same time that I became a relationship counsellor. So I guess I was really aware of the ways that becoming parents impacted on myself as a woman, on my partner as a man and on our relationship as a couple. We were together for 10 years before we became parents and we were crazy in love. You know, we purchased our home. I was ready to give up work. You know, becoming parents was the natural next step for us. And we were really, really well prepared for the birth. We had private antenatal education. We had a fantastic midwife. I had a great relationship with our GP felt really, really ready to become parents. And we had a wonderful birth experience, thank goodness, because the wheels fell off us at about three weeks postnatally and we were arguing all the time. We were, like, just blindsided, I guess, by all the changes, you know, the life changes that came with parenthood, all the new challenges, all the new stresses, and we were not in a good place. And in hindsight, you know, 2020, both myself and my husband had postnatal depression and we were just not not good. And, you know, I, it got to the point where I was actually wondering if I'd made a huge mistake having a child with this man that I had loved so much but who had changed so much in that postnatal period. And so I began researching the transition into parenthood and I was absolutely shocked to find that there was decades and decades of research that showed that having a baby placed an immense strain on a couple's relationship and the statistics were just mind-blowing. Something like 92% of parents have increased conflict after the birth of their first baby. 67% of couples report a decline in relationship satisfaction. The number one contributing factor to anxiety in pregnancy is a woman's relationship with her husband. If she's anxious about her relationship with her husband, that's going to cause her anxiety during pregnancy and that's not good for her and it's not good for their baby. And also relationship issues or relationship concerns are one of the top three three factors in postnatal depression in both mothers and fathers. And that's a lot more common than most people realise. 33% of mothers have postnatal anxiety. 17% of dads have postnatal anxiety. One in six mothers have postnatal depression and one in 10 dads have postnatal depression. So New parents are struggling. You know, the, 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 the nutshell is that new parents are struggling and they need a lot more preparation and support for what's to come than what they're currently getting. So if they, in postnatally, how do they, how do they you know, recognise the, the, the markers of a poor relationship, say? I mean, we clearly know that, you know, you, you know it once you're in it, but 
if people are listening to this and they're, they're prenatal, what 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 are the signs that things? Yeah, well, it's really tricky because, you know, with all the hormonal shifts that both men and women experience, with the sleep deprivation, I mean, Navy SEALs train to cope with the sort of sleep deprivation that new parents have to cope with, you know, 24-7 every day. So with all the steep learning curves, with the new challenges and stresses, with the sleep deprivation, you're not going to be yourself for a period of time. So it's kind of normal to be not normal. You know, we're using this term during COVID, but it's it's also true of the postnatal period. It's, it's kind of normal to be not normal. But if you notice in yourself or also in your partner, there's certain signs to look for. And in fact, it's often harder to notice these signs in yourself. Like I noticed that my partner was different. So it's really important to look for the signs, I think, in your partner. You might know before they do, or you might recognise before they do that they're struggling. So for anxiety, for instance, it will be, and these are the things that you'll notice in yourself, you know, that you're not sleeping well, that you're not able to rest even when the baby's sleeping, that you can't switch off, that you've got these racing thoughts, you've got these worries that are just going around and around and you can't escape them. You know, there might be weight changes, there might be weight loss or weight gain. With men, um, depression can show up quite differently than from women. With women, it can be like teary, crying, but they don't know why, you know, loss of motivation, loss of joy, not enjoying the baby. With men, it can be often that they're more irritable, that they're more withdrawn than usual, that they're, you know, moody up and down, that they can start withdrawing from the family, they can start working harder, spending more time at work or, you know, in the garage or surfing or whatever. You know, just a loss of joy, a loss of motivation, feeling alone, lonely, confused. Yeah, it's 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 not a nice place to be, and it's certainly not a place that we want parents to be in for for too long. No, absolutely. All right, so maybe maybe let's talk about the hormones that both both parents experience, their effects on the individual, and then also how that can impact on the the partner. Yeah, sure. You know, we didn't know this um, up until fairly recently. We knew that women went through huge hormonal changes, you know, huge hormonal shifts, which is going to make them, you know, more sensitive than, than usual. But we also know now that men go through hormonal changes as well, not to the same degree, but it's a big change for them. So there'll be a decrease in testosterone, an increase in estrogen and in prolactin or oxytocin, which are the love drug. So what this means for couples, (laughs) it depends on how things go, but it can mean one of two things for couples. It can either mean that they're both more sensitive to each other, so they're more sensitive to criticism, they're more sensitive to, you know, like each other's moods, they're more sensitive to any, like, irritation or frustration between them, and that's going to negatively impact their relationship. The flip side of that, is that they're also more sensitive to support, to affection, to, you know, loving, and that's going to improve their relationship. So this is the thing that I want, you know, parents and and care providers to know about, that if you can be aware of the challenges for relationships and know how to get through those challenges as a team, then it means really great things for your relationship. Because what I've found as a relationship counsellor is that how the birth plays out and how the postnatal period plays out will then impact the next couple of years. So that's really, really important. The birth experience and the first couple of months postnatally will play out for a couple over the next couple of years. So their first few years 
as a new family are impacted by the birth and by the postnatal period. So where there's increased conflict, where there's animosity, where there's blame and resentment creeping in, because of those hormones, that's going to be, you know, there's a potential for that to become the new normal, which is not what we want. But if couples know the importance of either a good birth experience or getting help quickly for a, for a really bad birth experience and how to work together to manage those crucial first few months, then that's going to positively impact their relationship going forward. It's, it's, it's so important. Are you planning to attend the birth of your child? Well, the safest scenario is you're calm, relaxed and know how to provide physical, emotional and practical support. The worst case scenario is you have no idea and end up looking like a deer in the headlights. Pitilbra, don't be a deer in the headlights, mate. Birthing Dads has a suite of groundbreaking resources designed to give you a confidence boost ahead of the big day. And the best part, it's all on demand and 100% online. Go to birthingdads.com.au and use the coupon code POD, that's P-O-D, for a 10% discount and learn how to support birth like a superstar. How can they prepare to to actually meet these challenges? Yeah. So this is the thing. You know, people say nothing can prepare parents for parenthood, but that's so not true. There's nothing further from the truth. You know, it's 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 like if you if you knew going into it that birth just in itself is a marathon, you don't prepare. You don't just go into a marathon. You know, you like you prepare for a marathon. You know, you, you eat well. You you do what exercise you can. You know, you you do stuff to train for it. I suppose. Well, we need to start thinking of early parent birth and early parenthood in the same way. You, you need to do stuff to train for it because it's it's grueling. You know, it's grueling and it's gritty, and it's hard. And it's exhausting and all of that's going to impact parents and their relationship. But the good news, the great news is that there's lots of things that parents can do. So I like to kind of break it down into three things, I suppose. I like to break it down into self-care, couple care and community care. So with the self-care, it's, I guess, being realistic and having realistic expectations about what's to come. You know, knowing that the sleep deprivation, the steep learning curves, the hormonal shifts are likely to have an impact. You're going to be tired. You're going to be exhausted. You're going to be distracted. All that energy, time and attention and focus is likely to be going to your baby, especially in the first few weeks. But at some point, you need to be able to pay some attention to yourself and pay some attention to your partner as well. So self-care is things like, you know, eating well, like, you know, eating well, eating nutritious meals, fuels our energy levels. Exercise is a natural anti-anxiety, antidepressant. Um, so family-friendly exercise is really important. So, you know, playing whole days of golf or going surfing for three hours where you can't be contactable is not family-friendly exercise. So think about what you can do, you know, maybe in a shorter duration closer to home so that you can still get your exercise in because it's really important for your mental and physical health, but also be available in case, you know, you, you need it at home in fairly short notice. Having regular stress relief. So stress is really, really important. We know that stress is a trigger for both anxiety and depression for both mothers and fathers. So doing what you can to reduce your stress levels is really important and as early as possible. Just to give you an example, 
so many couples upsize when they're expecting a baby. They think that renovating or buying a bigger home or buying a bigger car is preparing for parenthood. It's not. (laughs) You know, it's just taking on financial debt, which is then going to mean that you've got competing priorities after the baby comes. You can't be, you know, at home enjoying your baby as much as possible and earning the money to pay for the debt that you've just encumbered at the same time. So I actually tell parents, don't upsize. You can upsize when the baby's one or two or three. They don't care. They don't know. (laughs) You know, babies are this big, you know, and they want to be as close to you as possible for the first couple of months. They want to be, you know, like on your chest or next to you in bed or something like that. You don't need to upsize. Don't put that pressure on yourself. So being aware of what the stresses are and anticipating what the stresses might be and creating some realistic expectations based on on what we know the stresses are is great for self-care. Then there's couple care. So knowing that, you know, you're about to go into the biggest life changes that you've ever experienced in your life together and that those life changes are, are, are going to potentially impact on how you cope as individuals and how you cope as a couple. And so, you know, things like being mindful of how you react to stress and how that might impact your partner. So I know, for example, that, you know, when I'm stressed, I can tend to get impatient Okay, that then has an impact on my partner. And then if he reacts badly to that, that's going to impact our kids, you know, or, and my impatience impacts our kids too. So knowing what your normal responses are to stress and being aware that that is likely to ha- then have a flow-on effect to, you know, other people close to you. So couple care is also, you know, good communication skills, conflict resolution strategies, those sorts of things. Co- couples often can't do conflict in the same way that they did conflict before the baby came. You know, you can't agree to disagree about whether you're going to circumcise your son. You can't agree to disagree about what you're going to name your baby. You know, you can't agree to disagree disagree about co-sleeping and having the baby in your bed. You know, these are things that couples are forced to come to some sort of resolution on and they may never have had to do that in their relationship before. Similarly, you can't just, you can't argue about things. You know, you can't raise your voices and argue about things and then have, you know, vigorous makeup sex afterwards. Like that's not going to happen in the postnatal period. So babies are really impacted by raised voices and they're also sensitive to cold war situations. You know, toddlers are sensitive to cold war situations between their parents. So couples need to learn how to do conflict well. I think one of the biggest pieces of that is that there's really no right or wrong in parenthood it's more that there's two parents points of view two parents points of view and both those points of view are valid and both those points of view are important to that baby growing up because there's two sets of values maybe two sets of religious beliefs two sets of you know background that they're going to have to get their heads around So pretty early on, I think couples need to learn how to find middle ground. And find middle ground might be as simple as doing more research. It might be as simple as doing a Google search to get more information to help us make a decision. You know, it might be weighing up the pros and cons of each parent's perspective or point of view. Or it might be just listening respectfully and and saying, 
okay, I get it. I understand where you're coming from now. I'm not sure that that's going to be right for our child, but I get where you're coming from. Let's make an open conversation. Let's revisit it for as long as we need to, to find middle ground. So, you know, that's couple care. Also, part of couple care is couples often feel like date night. I hear date night a lot, particularly from, you know, North American friends and family and colleagues. Date night's way too hard. (laughs) It's way too hard when when you're in the postnatal period. You know, you're tired. It's too much organising. It's too much to organise a babysitter. If you take the baby with you, gosh, I remember having our six-week-old under the table at a Chinese restaurant and thankfully, you know, he slept pretty quietly through the whole thing. But there was potential for the whole thing to go pear-shaped and, you know, that's not very relaxing. So I'm all about connection. As as an emotionally focused relationship counsellor background, I'm all about connecting in little ways frequently throughout the day rather than trying to make up for any sort of disconnection once, once a week, you know, on schedule. It's the little, really, in relationships, it's the little things that can make the biggest difference. So it's just taking the time, you know, to focus attention on, on, on your partner, ignoring the screens for a bit, letting the baby, you know, have a little bit less of your attention just for a few moments and, and just really focusing on your partner and, and being there for them and saying, how are you? You know, like, how's your day? Like, mine's been really crappy, but I want to hear about yours as well. You know, like caring, just just caring about your partner. You know, it could be winking at each other it could be you know like hugging for a little bit longer it could be just sitting out in the sun and having a cup of tea together and just having a a check-in it could be a text message I'm thinking of you you know how's your day can't wait to see you tonight goodbyes and hellos are really important you know like how you say goodbye at the beginning of the day and then how you say hello at the end of the day I think are really nice ways to bookmark your days, especially if one of you's in the home with the baby all day and the other one's out in the world being fabulous, you're living very different lives for those eight hours. And I think it's, you know, really important to connect your two worlds and come together at the end of those very different days because I've seen that can cause a lot of division and resentment when that goes on for months and months and months and it's kind of like the lives can start taking these trajectories if that's not, you know, if, that, if that's not on people's radars. And so I think especially if you've got very different days, it's important to stay connected. So that's couple care. And then there's community care. And, you know, people say it takes a village for a reason. You know, couples sort of dismiss this, but it's so incredibly important for couples to know that it takes more than two people, you know, to raise a baby, especially if one person isn't home a lot of the time and so you're likely to need help like you you will absolutely need help particularly in those first few months afterwards so reach out for support because it is there there is plenty of support there and think about where that support might come from you know who do you know in your immediate friends in your immediate family who can pop in drop groceries around hold the baby for half an hour while you take a shower that you can ring, you know, at, at 11 o'clock at night if your head's about to explode and you feel like you're not coping. You know, who, who can you call on? How well do you know your neighbours? You know, if something happens at home and your baby falls over and you've got to rush them to hospital but you've got a toddler asleep, how well do you know the people that live close to you that you can call on to help out? You know, I didn't know my neighbours when, when we had our baby. I was working in the city and 
we live about an hour outside the city. So I just didn't know my neighbours. So I, I couldn't call on anybody for help when I needed it. So, you know, make friends with your neighbours. These are the people that your child's going to, you know, get to know as they grow up too. And it's helpful to know, you know, which is the dog that you can pat and which is the dog that you don't want to pat. And, you know, this is this is where you go if, you know, something happens and you need and you need immediate help or whatever. These are the people that might drop meals in for you because they know that you've got a new baby. So really get to know your neighbourhood. And then also I really encourage parents to find professional support before they need it. And I really encourage professionals to network with other professionals in their area. So if you've got a childbirth educator or a midwife, ask that person who you can call if you've got problems breastfeeding if you have a difficult birth who do you call you know if if you've got discomfort after childbirth you know three weeks down the track who who do you go to is it your gp is it is it a specialist like you know and i really think finding a childbirth educator who can help you to prepare for whatever the worst case scenarios might be is a godsend because I've heard so many parents say that we did classes about how the birth should go, the birth didn't go how it should have gone, and so we had no information and no preparation for how the birth didn't go, which is what we needed more than anything else. And so part of what I've been doing is reviewing antenatal classes and helping to, I guess, future-proof and include dads more because my strong belief is that we need to be including fathers and, and partners more in pregnancy, birth and early parenthood. My experience is that a lot of the problems and challenges that we're seeing for couples in the postnatal period can be anticipated and prevented through good quality prevention education. Fantastic. That was such a beautiful monologue. I was just going tick, tick, tick. <laughs> I love how you use the endurance event, you know, the marathon, because that's something I actually, because that lands really well with, with the guys, I th- well, I hope, <laughs> but I, I know that it lands well with me. And, and I, when I first started this work, I was a little bit hesitant to start using sporting analogies because of the whole male connotation. But then when I started reading that other birth professionals and quite a lot of people actually referred to the, the endurance event uh, analogy, I think it's really powerful for men to, to understand that actually, and like you said, train. I, that's what I say to them, you know, you're actually a team and you're training, you're, you're training together for an endurance event. That's yeah. old birth. And then early parenting is, you know, ongoing. In fact, yeah. researchers from Duke University did a study on all these, all the extreme athletes, and they looked into the extreme, the maximal energy use that you could possibly expend. And so they looked at Tour de France cyclists and Trans America marathoners, where they run six marathons per week for a month. And they looked at you know, this energy expense. And then they also looked at pregnant women and they concluded that pregnancy is the most extreme event uh, that the human body can maintain for that period of time. Wow. They actually, you know, looked at it. That's so validating. (laughs) It's so validating. But it's something else that they need to be aware of. Like women of childbearing childbearing age are 75% more likely to have an autoimmune disorder because of the wear and tear on your body with pregnancy. 
So, like, I mean, you know, it's 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 quite. It's actually quite. The more you delve into it, it's it, the more shocking it becomes. You know, like both what we have to endure, the impact of what we have to endure, and the and but also the ways that it's hidden from us. Yeah. So I really love that you use the self care, couple care, community care analogy. Let's drill down into the couple care from uh, looking at, at advice for dad on. You know, things like you might have heard of postnatal depletion from Dr. Oscar Cyrilak, Cyrilich, who defines that. And, and I mean, that's a clear, you know, that's a, a big thing for women, the recovery kind of thing. So what can men do to facilitate recovery and bonding and, and, and be, be uh, respectful and, and caring in those first crucial perinatal times? So the postnatal period is absolutely exhausting for everybody, but particularly for a breastfeeding mum. So, you know, I think it's really important for dads to be aware that as tired as they are, their partner is probably even more tired. And so she's going to need your support like like she's never needed your support before. And that can be a bit of a, a, a discomforting feeling, I think, for some men is, you know, it can feel like pressure or it can feel like they're not going to be good enough. There's, you know, it can be some anxiety, I think, for some dads about being their partner's main support person. So you're going to need support so that you can support her as well. In terms of supporting her, the sort of things that you can do is like adjust your expectations of what she's going to be able to achieve. You know, looking after a baby and feeding a baby is 24-7 at the beginning. And so anything else like housework or meal preparation or, or, or tidying up is on top of that. You know, she's, she's, she's not going to, she's not going to be able to do both for, a, a, you know, some period of time. So just, just expect that baby care, basic baby care is, is her, is her prime role for at least the first couple of weeks and that she's going to need help with just about everything else. Some mums can try and show that they're coping really well when in fact they're not coping. So some mums can, you know, give off the, you know, the aura that they've got it all under control, that they don't need help, that they're, you know, that they're doing fine because there's a lot of pressure on them to be a good mother. And so they can even sort of um, say, no, I don't need your help when in fact they do. But they're going to burn out that way. So just be aware that, you know, you want to be involved. You are this baby's other parent. You know, you want to be a parent. You want to learn. You want to make mistakes. You want to laugh about it. You want to stuff up, you know, like it's all okay. It's, you know, becoming a parent is about being a a learner and not an expert. And you want to be able to share that experience with your partner and make your mistakes together and stuff up and laugh about it together. Breastfeeding is something that you can also be involved in. You know, you can, you know, help mum to be comfortable. You can bring her the baby. A lot of mums I know really appreciate some cut up fruit and a glass of water when they're breastfeeding because it can be dehydrating and you can, you can neglect your own you know, um, eating and your own self-care when you're so focused and involved in the baby. So you can, you know, do those sorts of things. You might have visitors at home when it's time to breastfeed and mum might feel embarrassed, you know, breastfeeding in front of your dad or whatever. So you can be sensitive to maybe managing visitors and, you know, chucking them out of the house at the right time. Tell them to come back with a casserole. (laughs) 
<laughs> you know, there's lots of little things that you can do to facilitate um, that safe, comfortable space for your partner to, 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 to breastfeed. Talk about what sleeping arrangements that you might want to make that work for, for, for all of you. Um, there's a thing called breast sleeping now, which is just, you know, the baby sleeps and feeds and sleeps and feeds. So talk about how, you know, if that might be a possibility for the first couple of weeks just while you're, you know, finding your feet and, 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 and life settling down. And she's going to appreciate everything that, that you do. You know, we know from research that the more involved dads are in the early life of their baby, the better their mental health is, the better their partner's mental health is, the better their relationship is with both their baby and their partner. So there's a gazillion major benefits to, to you being involved right from the get-go. Excellent. And uh, from the uh, Capia presentation, you mentioned one of the things I mentioned as well is the, you know, matrescence and the, the, that kind of identity shift. And, and I mentioned that for working women, particularly in management roles or stuff like that, they find this transition different or more challenging because of the power disparity. So maybe you could kind of uh, talk to that a little yeah, sure. So I think it's great for dads and partners to be aware about the self-esteem and identity changes that can happen for mums. Self-esteem and identity changes happen for dads too, but um, they tend to happen more for mums, uh, particularly if mum is the one that stays home to look after the baby afterwards. You know, that's a massive, massive lifestyle change for somebody and it tends to be more challenging for women who have been in a position of huge power or, you know, in, in a role that contributes in a great deal to their sense of identity. And we know from research that women who are educated, who are in a um, high management role, who have got a big sense of their self based on their vocation, are more at risk for depression after the baby comes just because, you know, of all the, the life changes that they have to adjust to. So what I've discovered is that, you know, whereas couples come into a relationship and they're in a relationship before the baby comes and they're both relatively equal, you know, they might both be working and earning the money, making joint decisions about how they're going to spend that money. You know, their lifestyles are relatively equal. Their work-life balance is fairly equal. And so they're fairly equal as a couple. And what often happens after the baby comes is that women get a demotion in the world once they're not earning. You know, I lined up at Centrelink for the first time when I became a mother. You know, like that was a whole new experience for me. You know, um, so they lose, they lose their power in the world. They lose their visibility in the world. Staying at home looking after a baby, they, they become invisible. And so often they take a, a, a negative impact to their self-esteem and so they sort of come down. Parenthood often means that men work harder, they work longer hours, they take promotions, they might find a job where they have a, a greater earning capacity and so the baby might mean that they go up in the world. And so you've now got this imbalance in their relationship. And what can happen is I've seen a lot of women make the mistake of trying to kind of claw their way back up in terms of their self-esteem by becoming an expert on the baby. And what that can then lead to is inadvertently then trying to push the partner down and say, you know, like, don't do it that way. That's not how you change a nappy. Oh, you're hopeless. Just let me do it. 
dads can often try and cope with that by working harder, you know, to build up their self-esteem and contribute to the family in the way that they know best, working longer hours, working harder. And then you can start to get this kind of withdrawal between the couple at a time that they think that they're going to be closer together than ever. That's the big impact, I guess, of parenthood on a couple's relationship dynamics that couples just aren't aware of when they go into it. And um, it would be such a great thing if they were and knew how to manage those those shifts, both within themselves and, and in their relationship. What would you say is your number one conflict resolution kind of strategy? Are there any, any conflict resolution strategies that you would recommend? Uh, there's lots of conflict resolution strategies that we recommend. And, like, we, we've actually, can I plug it here? We've got a course for parents. We've got a Becoming Us Before Baby course and a Becoming Us After Baby course for parents, and we teach conflict resolution strategies in, in these courses. I think the biggest one, though, and the one, I guess, that underpins the others is having an attitudinal shift or learning that parenthood is not about right and wrong. It's about two different parents' points of view. And I think, you know, coming to terms with that, grappling with that and coming to terms with that can be huge for parents, that making space for we've got two different parents here, we've got different backgrounds, we've got different life experiences, we've got different families. We may have similar things, but we've also got potentially different values, different morals, different expectations, different belief systems And yet our child is going to be a combination of both those things. We're the ones that have to do the heavy lifting. We're the ones that have to do the hard yards to figure out how we make this work. For a child that's going to grow up with two different parents, you know, that's up to us. That's one of the responsibilities of becoming a parent is that it's not about us as individuals anymore. It's about us. It's about us as a couple and about us as a family. And so making that shift often means that it doesn't become conflict. <laughs> it becomes a how do we figure this out together? You know, how, how, do, how do we work through this together? How do we find middle ground? You know, that's the biggest thing that's, and that's the thing that can make, make the biggest difference. You know, are there any trends in what parents do well that survive on that trajectory? Or so firstly that and then... What, what are some things, mistakes, common mistakes that uh, people make with their relationships? So firstly, the, you know, the wins and then the losses. Yeah. So the parents that do well are the ones that can manage issues as a team. You know, the, 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 the parents that do well are the ones that can come together despite their differences and manage the issues as a team. You know, see it as a joint venture. You know, like we have this issue, how are we going to manage it? Uh, Conversely, the ones that don't do well are the ones that tend to, A, have unrealistic expectations about life after baby, B, assume that if their expectations aren't met or if they see changes in their partner or their relationship, they assume that there's something wrong with them, something wrong with their partner or something wrong with their relationship rather than understanding that short-term relationship changes are normal when we become parents. But we want to prevent short-term relationship changes from becoming long-term relationship changes because that's when relationships can start to break down. 
So it's about having, I guess, knowledge of the ways that becoming parents is likely to impact on our relationship, not taking those changes and challenges personally, being aware of the way we react under stress and the ripple effects of those reactions. So, you know, it's complex. There is no one easy answer. It's a combination of a number of things that have a ripple effect, you know. So it's it's, it's, it's more complicated. It's more complex than most people realise and, and, you know, hoping for one single silver bullet or one quick fix is not going in the right direction because that doesn't exist. <laughs> it's funny you say that because I was about to say, if you know, the final question, if you had one piece of advice. <laughs> yeah. I think you've said it. Okay. If I did have one piece of advice, it would be to prepare. Like it would be to find a good quality child birth educator who can prepare you not just for, or, or a doula, it would be prepare you not just for, the best case scenario birth and postnatal experience but you know what's the most common birth and postnatal experience that people don't tend to talk about which is that you know it's challenging and it it is a marathon and prepare for the worst and hope for the best and and you will fare a lot better than people that don't prepare at all and if you want really good quality preparation you know I spent 10 years researching and writing uh, the book Becoming Us which is basically everything that could go wrong, how to prepare for it and, you know, will make a big difference. It, you can either, it means you can either breeze through it or you're prepared for the bits that, you know, might impact you or your partner. Excellent. Now, if you, if, if becoming us, you know, let's look 20 years into the future because these things move at geological time, don't they? <laughs> Culture change and that takes time. So let's say uh, in the next generation, what your dream comes true. What what does it look like? So what my dream looks like is that anyone who is working with expecting or new parents has the relationship education and the prevention education so they know how to prepare both mothers and fathers and partners for the life changes and the new relationship challenges that normally come with parenthood so that couples know how to navigate those changes and challenges as a team and that's going to make them stronger as a couple. It's going to lay great foundations for their whole family going forward and we can create stable and resilient families rather than set them up for failure, which is kind of what we're doing at the moment without any preparation or support. So a big difference. Excellent. Thank you so much for your time. And it's been really, it's been really wonderful to chat. I'd like to acknowledge the Darawal people as the traditional custodians of the land upon which this podcast is recorded. And I pay my respects to elders past, present and emerging.